Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest happenings in the anime and manga world. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Hey, Kevin. Awesome. Glad to be here, as yeah. always. Yeah, glad to have you here. And uh, today we're going to be talking about um, The Elusive Samurai by Yusei Matsu. So I'm really excited because I know this is a series that both you and I have been wanting to read for a while. And now we're mm-hmm. going to be covering the first seven chapters, which make up the first volume of the series that actually just came out physically here in the United States um, in a physical collection. So it's very exciting that we're, we'll be covering this. Um, and we'll also be talking a little bit of Chainsaw Man, because how could we not talk about Chainsaw Man oh, that just came back, right? Absolutely. So, but <laughs> before we get into that, I just want to get the housekeeping out of the way. So as always, you can download it and listen to the Manga Revolution podcast on any podcast service, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, you could also um, find find the work Rock and I do on the Concrete Revolution pod, on, the, on the Concrete Revolution website. It's concreterevolution.com. I know Rock, he just posted uh, Chainsaw Man Chapter 898 uh, review, and also he ranked um, all of the Chainsaw Man story arcs on there. So you could check, check that stuff out if you want uh, full coverage on Chainsaw Man, because we tried to do cover that as much as possible with its return. Um, and you can check out my reviews there. I've been doing a lot of Concord reviews lately, so you can check out that stuff there. Um, and you can also follow the Concord Revolution on C- on Twitter at CB Revolution and the Manga Revolution Podcast at the Manga Podcast on Twitter. And you can follow myself on Twitter at the Kevin Linus Rock. Where can we find you on- online? You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rock with two Ks Revolution. Awesome. Um, well, before we get into talking about Elusive Samurai Rock, I wanted to actually talk to you about just giving your brief perspective on chapter 98 of Chainsaw Man, which is Chainsaw Man Part 2. Um, I know you wrote the review on our website, but just for those that might have not checked out the uh, review, what are your... Uh, let's go with non-spoiler thoughts first of the uh, of sure. the chapter, and then we'll go into spoilers right after that. My non-spoiler thoughts are it's, it's, it's a great... It's a great beginning to chapter... Uh, to Part 2 of Chainsaw Man. It's exactly what you would expect from fujimoto he he doesn't disappoint he he there are what's interesting kevin is that when chainsaw when i first started reading chainsaw man when it first debuted on the shonen jump app i mean i, I didn't know anything about fujimoto i didn't know, it was a brand new manga so i had no you know preconceived expectations right and so i just started reading it and oh interesting so this is what this is the kind of and i just kind of learned as i went the kind of story that fujimoto was going to give us his approach his style um hit the kind of curves that he likes to throw at the reader and so you were you were learning exactly what you were going to be getting on this manga it's much different than chapter 98 because now it's kicking off part two but the difference is this manga has blown up huge and there are absolutely preconceived notions and expectations that readers have going in like they expect certain things they expect lots of violence they expect really bloody action they expect characters to be depraved they expect to not really there are very few likable characters like you, you expect all these things and so i think now fujimoto has to work with these expectations and meet them without falling prey to them if you know what I mean. And, and and that's the question I wanted to ask you is because I haven't read it yet. I'm still catching mm-hmm. up on Chainsaw Man, which again, I, I know kind of what happens in this series um, from what I'm mm-hmm. talking to friends. So there's no worries about spoilers. But in terms of his recent work, because we had Look Back and then Goodbye Aerie yeah. 
that came out between between Chainsaw Man Part One and Part Two. How do you, do you think that his work on those two one shots impacted how he's going into this Part Two of like what in terms of character characterization or anything like that? Right. Uh no. <laughs> if you were expecting, I, I love those two one shots. I think they're brilliant, beautiful, very emotional, very powerful. I, I, I love both of them. They are not at all what you're going to get on Chainsaw Man. Okay, and and in terms of um, in terms of the artwork too, is it back to just chain what you expected from Chainsaw yes. Man, or or is it yes, yeah, okay. it's what you expect on Chainsaw Man. He goes right back to the art that you expect to get on Chainsaw Man. Very okay. much so. Very much so. Do you think he's that like just <laughs> he's definitely playing to expectations? Okay. Okay, cool. And so, do you think that you were going to see any like? influenced by his recent work or do you think that those were like probably like just side projects that he wanted to work on and then now Chainsaw Man he's just going back to what what fans will expect and know I think based, uh, now unless he he you know throws us a curveball but based on what we got in chapter 98 mm-hmm. I think those two one shots were just just passion projects he wanted to do something different these are just stories that he, he really had inside of him and wanted to get out mm-hmm. and kind of it, do something completely different from what he normally does like it's kind of like a guy who writes for dc comics and then he's like i'm gonna do something totally different on my own i'm gonna do like you know a spy comic you know what yeah. i mean like just something yeah. radically John, different. like jonathan hickman grant morrison style type right exactly exactly hickman and morrison great examples kind of something like that i think that's what fujimoto was doing and i think here he is he is going to I think there are, he's going to play the expectations with Chainsaw Man. And, and do you think that, because again, we don't really get that very often here with manga, is that like a creator getting to take not only a break, but also work on these passion projects in between yep. like his main main thing? Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel like having read chapter 98, do you feel like Fujimoto's refreshed? Did it feel that like he was able to reset himself or do you, um, in, in terms of coming back into Chainsaw Man part two compared to like part one at the end? Or what, what, what do you think of that? I th- I think so. Look, I, I like your compare. Really, I like your analogies with Hickman and Morrison because it's really what Fujimoto is experiencing right now. It really is. And I think those breaks that Hickman and Morrison took throughout their careers always helped them come back to, to DC and Marvel Comics, respectively, recharged mm-hmm. and excited. And I think Fujimoto, I think he is going to be a little more um, energetic about Chainsaw Man. And I will say, even though... The, the two one shots don't play a big role stylistically in what we get here. I do think he is going to be examining, uh, he's going to be examining the chainsaw man universe from a completely different viewpoint now. And so I think that's going to give you something a little bit different, a little bit fresher and probably keep Fujimoto um, interested and excited to, to do the series. Yeah. And so now you mentioned viewpoint and I think this will be a good jump off point in terms of, going into like the spoiler side so we'll be going into a little bit of spoilers for like probably like the next five five six minutes or so um what 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 do you think of like fujimoto starting with like a new character off instead of giving us chainsaw man or any characters that we knew about in part one like what what do you think of him going with that approach for the start of part two of introducing us to a whole new character of uh, uh, basically the uh, war demon, basically, um, and, and right. focusing completely on this new character for chapter 98. It's it's interesting because you're right. The, the focus of this is a 53-page chapter, so it's double-sized, a little more than double-sized. And it does focus on Mikata, who becomes the war devil. And then yeah. this is your new 
antagonist for Denji to fight in this opening story arc. And I like this approach. It is unconventional, to be sure, but I actually think it's fantastic. I think it works really well because Fujimoto, very talented guy, we all know, he's able to focus all of his energy on building up the next villain. And I am from the school of thought. I know a lot of people are, have different views on how you construct a story and what's important. I'm from the school of thought that says, hey, if you're doing a hero's story, it starts with the villain, not with the hero. The vi- to me, the villain is who makes, that's the straw that stirs the drink. It, you can't have a good hero story without a good villain. It just doesn't work. So for me, I like that Fujimoto is like, nope, I got to build up the villain first, get you invested in the villain. You understand the villain's motivations. And for me, that works better than just what you you see often, which is what? The flashback scene or the incredibly long monologue in the middle of a fight. I'd rather have this way of giving me the backstory on the villain and get me more excited to see the villain match up with the hero. Yeah, and I think chapter 98, which is part two and um, just continuation of the first one because we, we call it part two, but it's really just continuation of the main right. series. Um, it, it is a good way to just have a reset point as well for the yep. entire series because just like how Chainsaw Man ended from what I know, that it did have feel like a finality uh, in terms of the Chainsaw yeah. Man. And then yes. you're coming back, you do need to kind of have a reset and like what better yep. way to reset it than giving us a new, presenting us a new villain. But my question for you, Rock, in terms of presenting uh, this new villain, does she come across as too sympathetic where to the point where she almost is the protagonist or, because I know that that's always the balance. Right. It is. When when you're creating a villain, like is the new character too likable to be considered a villain? And is she going to be, is she going to be more the anti-hero side? Because I know that's always the problem I always have when it comes to villains that, Sometimes yep. the writers or creators will try and focus so much on the, that character that they make them too sympathetic yep. or, or, um, or any, like you understand them so much that you prefer you're root, actually rooting for them. Right. Is that danger here or is that like something that is there enough done so that the character you want to see them defeated? Because that's like the main goal, like usually of these stories is that you do want the hero to defeat the villain. So is that kind of what you, after reading chapter 88, the, the feeling that you get? That's, that's a fair point. And I think part of the draw and, and maybe a downside for some people about Chainsaw Man is that I would say outside of Denji and maybe Aki, there are no likable characters in Chainsaw mm. Man. There just aren't. There are no likable characters in general. Just They just they, they don't exist. Uh, there are characters you might root for there are, and, and there are characters you like. I'm not saying they're not. You like them as characters, but they're not likable. You, you know what I mean? Like, I liked Makama, but she's not a likable character. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know what I'm saying? So, when you have a, a manga that its calling card is that really everyone is pretty unlikable, she's not likable either. But no one is really likable. Yeah. So, she's not likable. And Fujimoto makes sure that he shows you enough of the character where you're like, yeah, she's as unlikable as everybody else. This is a very great world we live in, if, in this manga. So I don't think you're going to run the risk of having the reader root for her any more than you would any other character that okay. Denji faces. You know what I'm saying? I know it's kind of okay. a Yeah, no, no, that, that was just what I was wondering, just because, again, sometimes, especially because this is an oversized issue, it's yes. not like a typical chapter, of like, since it's giving, giving, get, 
getting the treatment of what you would expect from a first chapter of getting 53 pages. Um, if those 53 pages just focusing on this new character, if that's right. more setting them up to be maybe the villain for this first story arc and then right. switching them off into being the like a, a secondary uh, like a secondary protagonist here oh right. I, was, I was that's what i was wondering if like you if you, th- that if that's at all the feeling that you got she's pretty hateful okay. she's pretty hateful. uh and, and from the very beginning is is a, is a pretty hateful not nice person so okay. i would be i guess you could flip her to a baby face but it might be hard to do <laughs> yeah no and, and that that that's also part of the uh, thing that will keep you interested right of like you yeah. want to see what her journey is and from yep. everything that you're saying, and I know from reading your review, what you could check out on the uh, conquerrevolution.com or you, if you want to find out everything that happened in the, uh, in the chapter or, and then all of Rock's thoughts on everything, um, full spoilers, um, just warning there too as well. Um, you could check that out there. But I, again, I just wanted to give you a chance here because I know that that is the biggest thing that happened in the manga world is Chainsaw Man yeah. is finally returning, especially since yes. we're also hyped for also the anime and like anything that we could get there from that we got from Anime Expo. And I know in a couple of weeks, we're going to get a new trailer at Crunchyroll Expo. Yep. Um, so we're, we're definitely um, full on Chainsaw Man mode. And um, mm-hmm. you could check out also Rock's ranking because i know you also did the hard work oh of yeah ranking all the tra- uh, all the chainsaw man uh story arcs so i know that that was yeah. not not an easy task but oh it, it's, very fun. <laughs> it's very I fun to see all. like it back and like starting part two and it's gonna be interesting to see how people react to this especially like we're gonna get a lot more people in, into chainsaw man with not the anime announcement it seems like yeah. every time a trailer comes out that's like the thing that trends on twitter and yeah. then with the and I'm sure with when the anime actually debuts that Chainsaw Man is already a giant franchise, it's going to just blow up oh. two or three times more than it already is. So absolutely, I, I saw this the sales numbers uh, that just were released uh, for Chainsaw Man are bonkers over here in the states. It spiked huge. Yeah. I mean, I think they sold over seventy thousand copies. Yeah, that, that and, and and that's the synergy of uh when yeah, the, man. Like, yeah, the a, a, anime is is such a huge driver, right? Huge. It's huge. Every time an anime comes out, we saw it with Spy X Family. Every time the anime comes out, the manga sales just go boom and they spike up into the air. It's yeah. every time. Yeah. So again, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, thanks, Rock, for giving giving us a little bit of a dive into Chainsaw Man. Like I said, you could read uh, Rock's full review on Chainsaw Man '98 and a full breakdown of what happened in that chapter at ConcreteRevolution.com. Um, and now we'll be moving on to our main topic of this show, which is going to be the Elusive Samurai. Uh, where you you say Matsu? Um, before we get into the uh, the Lucy Samurai, I wanted to go over some some of his background because for those that might not know, you say Matsu was actually one of the assistants for Yoshi Sawai, which is the creator of Bobo uh, Bobo Bobo. Um, so, so yeah, so he so he was an ass- he worked for an assistant there. So um, and then he um, after that he did move on to working on his own projects like a couple one shots and then, but he is both best known for his uh Nehru, uh supernatural detective which lasted 202 chapters and which was then collected in 23 volumes and also there was a 25 episode adaption for that in 2007 um and then probably the best known and what more mainstream audiences will know is uh assassination classroom at least that's how i know him from is yeah that was uh, like 180 chapter series along with some extra chapters as well that was collected in 21 volumes and then had a 47 run anime in which I, for myself, that's how I really know him is from the assassination classroom um, anime. Cause I didn't really read the manga, but I, I did watch the anime rock. Do you have experience with 
um, Matsu's work from anime or like the manga? Yeah, from I've 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 heard of the uh, the neuro supernatural detective. I've I've not read it, uh, but I I did read Assassination Classroom. So that's that's where I I I, I knew him from immediately. Uh, of course, I mean the fact that he was a an assistant to Sawai, you know, was very cool. I didn't realize that until after the fact. But I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of of which is awesome and it's great as so why kevin let me just get out of the way or let me just get out of the way right now okay uh, you know what manga and anime he's a big fan of maybe you don't know this it's kanikuman okay there you go <laughs> always gotta get that kanikuman in there right <laughs> uh, that, yeah that's that funny but yeah no um, so did you, it is good i did like it did you so enjoy you did, it you, you did like it yeah i thought it was pretty solid Okay, yeah, I know that like Assassination Classroom is one of those that had one of those strong starts and like yes. strong middles, but then it like the ending like people didn't yeah. really were were yeah. eh on just yeah, because of how, how things not, like, they didn't they didn't really uh land landed when it came to the ending. So he did not that was my experience too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, my experience too. So um hopefully that's gonna be better for a loose samurai to where like right. he takes what, what kind of the lessons from assassination classroom because it did feel like at towards the end that i'm not sure about running out of ideas but it just didn't know how to stick the landing like it was nope. more so of like like oh i gotta end this and i'm not sure how to end it so and yes. that, that's definitely the feeling i got from assassination classroom at the end agreed i totally agree so um hopefully that's gonna be better the loose samurai <laughs> um and with the Lusa Samurai, it's actually an interesting thing because it's actually based on uh, actual period in Japan, which is called the Kenwu Restoration Period, um, which um, for those that might not know, in, in the real world, um, the Kenwu Restoration Period is a period that lasted for three years after Emperor Go-Daigo, uh, with the assistance of Ashikage Atakuji, um, overthrew the Kamakuro Tsuganate, um, which is what happens here in the manga as well. Um, and basically restored the imperial house to Japan. And the period only lasted three years because the emperor, Godaigo, basically his policies failed to satisfy the samurai warriors at the time and also the Japanese people at the time, which led to Ashikage um, over, helping, helping another shogun overthrow uh, Emperor Godaigo. Um, and then they, they created a new period that was called um, the Murumachi period that lasted from 1336 to 1573, which is again is interesting because we we have the, the manga also set in that that Kenmu period of the three years that that um, that it lasted for from 1333 to uh, 1336. So and even the manga itself, like it does tell you, this is a story of the those three years, um, and all the characters that we see here, at least from the on from the first volume, it, they are all characters that in terms of the main characters of Hojo. Takuyuki and from what I was researching and then um, also Ash Ashikage um, and the Emperor Godaigo, they, they are all people that actually did live in the real world. They have their own histories, which again, you could search online for uh, details, which uh, is how I found them as well. So there's um, a lot of characters in here that are based on real world people. So Rock, like before we get into the manga, what do you think of um, Matsu going with this route of like setting, like ha creating the setting based on real, the real world for Japan. 
I, I like it. It's very cool. I, I will readily admit I didn't know this. I, I didn't know this about uh, the, it was set with these historical characters. I am a double major, Kevin, literature and history. <laughs> I am. But my history uh, side, I focused on um, European history. So I, I, I won't admit to know much about Japanese and Chinese mm -hmm. history. That wasn't in my realm of study. So I wasn't going to, I didn't pick out, oh, this has to be, you know, I, I just, I just don't know enough. Yeah. So for me, as someone in the States, it's cool to find out that he's using historical characters, but it doesn't resonate with me as much as i would imagine a japanese reader would obviously we would it would be much it would add a layer of excitement or interest to the story but kind of like how maybe uh you know uh, uh, abraham lincoln vampire hunter was more interesting to me because it involved something historical yeah. <laughs> even though it's not yeah, historical <laughs> yeah and I, and I know that sometimes it could be a touchy subject especially where like uh, hardcore historians but are you into this type of thing of yes. where people are using like history and then just kind of warping it into their own type of story yeah. of like, in, in, with I've always liked it. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I've always so loved, I, I yeah. love it. I love when you take a historical character or a historical setting and then just go crazy with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like it. I, I've, I've never had a problem with it because I mean, it's, it's, they're not presenting this now, if you're presenting this on, yeah. you know, Nat Geo as a historical, <laughs> you know, documentary, I would have a problem with it, obviously, but mm. no, it forms of pop entertainment. I think it's kind of fun when you take historical settings or historical characters and just go crazy. Yeah, and you, and also a good way to teach like the reader and like when they yeah. look stuff up, like oh, this character did actually exist, and you can look into the history. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm with there, there with you as well. Like I think, really, when it came to Japanese history, I think that's how I, I have kind of gotten into it a little bit. But then that I would mm -hmm. say thanks to like things like Rurouni Kenshin that dealt with yep. dealt with similar things of like and it's similar to this where. It's mm -hmm. dealing with a specific time frame in Japan. Obviously, they take it their own direction. They do their own thing, right. but they do use real world stuff. And I do enjoy that as well. Like, let's use some real world history, but then yeah. like go from there. And that's our launching point. And it right. does seem like the loose samurai uh, um, Matsu goes that direction of like, let me use real world history, but and not necessarily as something that I got to stick to, but right. as a launching point for my story. And that I, I, I do, do enjoy the way that he did that. I t totally agree. I, I think it's fun. I always appreciate it when when this happens in entertainment. Yeah, and um, just kind of going over like what happens in these seven uh, chapters, we do get um, introduced to the main character here of Tokiyuki Hojo, who's a carefree heir to the uh, Kamakura Sugunate uh, clan. Um, and he, as, as the heir, he's very carefree. He doesn't really want to do his training and all this stuff. So we're kind of introduced to this character that appears to be lazy, but we know that he has some extra skills because he is able to evade everybody that's trying to train him. Um, and he does look up to uh, uh, Ashikage Taguchi, or Taguchi, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name. I'm, 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 I'm butchering it probably, but uh, I apologize for that. But he does look up to him because he is the hero of, of his, uh, um, for his clan and everything. So it does, he, Matsu does build him up as somebody that you you do need to respect. Um, and then um, before uh, Ashikage leads the insurrection and like just take, taking over, we do um, Hojo does meet a character named Sua Yoroishige, who is also a real world character um, um, as well. And uh, Sua is actually this kind of creepy looking priest character that tells 
Hojo that says, hey, you know what? In three years, you are going to be the hero of the story. I have seen the future. Hojo kind of plays it off as like, okay, dude, because you're kind of creepy, <laughs> creeping me out. And just kind of walks away after a little bit, after a little interaction with them. And then right afterwards, Ashikage leads the in- interaction against um, uh, Hojo's family. His kill, kills his brother, kills his brother, kills um, his uncle, and also his, causes his dad to commit suicide as well. Um, because, and basically burns the entire empire to the ground, leading to Emperor Godaigo and um, the and the Kenmu period to to begin. Um, and Hojo does make it out of this alive. Um, and luckily for him, Suo was still there with, along with uh, Shinzuku. Um, and then a couple other kids that we later learned their names are Kojiro and Ayako. Um, they, they help Hojo out. They get him to safety and they're kind of on a run for, for a little while. Um, Su- Suwa tells Hojo again about the future that he did see that Hojo is the hero um, and he will take him in, protect him, help train him and um, to be that hero that he's foresaw in the future. But Suwa is a little like he starts calling himself a god, which we don't know if he is or not or like how much we're supposed to believe him. But again, Suwa does say that he is a god that could has the superpower of being able to see the future. And as the story continues going on, Hojo does um, the first big conflict that he gets into with another person is his one of his uncles. And we find out that his uncle, he um, he actually led to his little brother getting killed um, when he faked, um, hi- faked hiding him in a cave and then just uh, told some of Ashikage's men to where, where his bro- brother was. Um, and this is where we really learn, get into like kind of that there's some demonic um, things going on here. And that like even his um, uncle was saying that I want the demon power. And we start learning more that this world isn't really kind of just a real world setting. It is more supernatural. Um, and while Hojo and Kojiro and Ayako are able to defeat uh, Hojo's bro- uh, uncle, we're kind of getting into like the rest of these seven chapters of more of this kind of demon world supernatural world that hojo lives in and that there's a lot more going on uh rock what did you think of this setup in terms of like like we already kind of went into that this is based on the kenmu restoration period but what do you think of it diverging into kind of the supernatural setting of of using that like some like demons and things like that i thought it was fantastic i thought matsui did a great job i mean really a seamless job transitioning from the historical into the fantasy realm i I mean i didn't even see it coming we're reading the first you know first two chapters and i'm like okay cool so this is just going to be a a straightforward historical manga which is not a problem period piece that's cool so i was i was i was expecting a very just just a straightforward you know uh, historical manga and boy when the uncle shows up to attack him and we start getting more of this demonic vibe I mean the way his face is is drawn he's got like the d- traditional demon face and the way that he moves and fights is almost otherworldly and and then we kind of go from there and see a little bit more. We see a little bit more from um, the other characters like 
uh, Sua, where we're starting to, see, you know, because initially he's like, I'm a god, and you're like, okay, it's a crazy religious guy. I'm going to ignore, yeah, we're going to ignore him. He's just a crazy religious guy. And then Sua, you know, as we go forward, kind of shows more and more otherworldly abilities to the point where you're like, okay, so we're dealing with the supernatural now. We're, we're dealing yeah. with the, the otherworldly realm. This is interesting. I didn't see it coming. It's, 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 a very, it's a very subtle, easy transition. I like how Matsui handles it. it doesn't, he doesn't smack you over the face with it. It never seems, you know, it doesn't seem jarring. He just kind of slowly blends it in on you. I, yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and I think um, normally, I know normally we talk about the art towards the end, but I think this is where really the art plays a big yeah. part of the, in this entire series is that, yes. like, where you start off thinking that the characters are normal. Like you said, it's the story, like historical accurate and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's using character designs from that, from the history books. But he like he slowly transitions, not just for, like in the first chapter, but like in the first chapter, we get a couple of characters and then we even get a couple of demons. But as each chapter goes on in this, these, like these for this first volume, he's introducing more and more of the supernatural. But he lulls you into a sense of like, oh, yeah, this is not a supernatural setting because of the way he draws the characters to feel like a normal like manga characters mm-hmm. that like you would see in any like in any normal setting. But then, like, he adjusts his artwork, even, like, drawing some characters. Like, some of the characters are not drawn normal. And, right. like, he he slowly introduces you that into that, and which is a little bit different from what we've been reading a couple, in a couple newer manga that, like, will introduce you almost to everything at the beginning. Yes. It does feel like Matsu, like, through his artwork, and then also, like, in these first seven chapters, he's slowly introducing you to getting used to this entire world instead of, like, giving you everything at once. He's... Like mm-hmm. it did feel like that from both the artwork and even the writing side, he is getting u- used to what this demon like supernatural setting is instead of like, and like I said, giving you everything at once. Mm-hmm. And you're right about the art because in the very beginning, it is it is grounded in more real world kind of art, and then as you progress, he starts to slip in more fantastical elements with his artwork with each chapter as you progress and it just gets more and more otherworldly the artwork and it's fantastic i i I, it's between the writing and the art how he transitions it into otherworldly storytelling it's so well done and it just kind of happens you you don't notice until after it's happened you know what i mean it never smacks you in the face it's yeah well done and now and then that also helps i think when I went to reread some chapters, I reread some chapters, especially the first chapter, you go back and you read it and then it gives you a different perspective of how you're yes. doing things. And I think that's a cool thing that uh, cool readability of, of this series mm-hmm. is that when you go back and read the first chapter, you're kind of your perception is different because of what you know happens and how the artwork adjusts. And you're yep. like keeping an eye out for how things go. And like even Ashikage of like his character design, I think is the like best example of this where. Yeah. He has this heroic samurai, pretty boy face and everything, <laughs> but then you know what's behind it. And I think that gives him a whole new vibe when you go reread the first chapter. Yeah. Once you know, like once you read the first seven chapters of like, oh no, there's more behind this character and everything, even the design of the character yep. is lowering you into that sense of security of like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this character is going to be maybe even the character that sacrificed himself. Cause I didn't know about the Kenmu period before I, I looked right. it up afterwards. Right. Um, and so Oh, maybe he's one of the characters that sacrifices himself for Hojo or something like that. That that's kind of what I thought when I first read the chapter. But then 
because of, just because yeah. of the design and like even the uh, Matsu as the narrator telling us, hey, this right. is the guy. This is the guy that's the hero of this period. But really, this story is about um, uh, Hojo, uh, the, the little child, and so it lulls you into that sense of security. And then once you find big, find a big reveal, and even when like Ashikage it does his big evil laugh and all this stuff yeah. he still has the pretty boy design like and yes. I, I like that yes. they, they, he doesn't diverge from the pretty boy design of, oh. of the main, our main villain and so i i'd like that chain change up while like having this little kid as the main protagonist which we don't really get especially this little of a kid right compared to the right. this giant adults because they he does make the ashikage feel like this giant uh, um overwhelming presence compared yep. to this little kid that is very innocent yeah, I had the exact same reaction. I thought it was really well played because like you, I, I I didn't know the history behind it. So I thought Ashikage, I'm like, well, okay, cool. That's that's your hero. He's either going to be the protagonist or he's going to violently lay his life down for Hojo, you know, one of the two, or he's going to play the role of the big brother character. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I didn't see it coming at all. So I was like, whoa, big swerve. He's a bad guy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and you're right. It, he's, the way he designs the characters, the way that Matsui designs the characters, it's it's really cool because, and as you progress forward, you know, Ashikage, who always has that pretty boy look, though, you know, in the later later chapters, chapter six and seven, you see how he's drawn in one scene with like demonic eyes, you know, the like all these multiple eyes in his eyeball, really demonic to let you know that, uh oh, yeah. You know, everything that's uh you know everything that's pretty is not what it seems <laughs> yeah and i think um ashikage is a, a good um also like when you have the design of sua uh, yep. who's more like this crazy looking dude yes. compared to this like how normally ashikage is drawn is like this normal pretty boy look uh, sua is completely the opposite of that and i think it's cool oh, that yeah. the two main adult characters that we have here yeah. are have two different types of design or like how they're drawn are two different ways even though, mm-hmm. and one of them is drawn as that creepy, almost what you would think a villain would look like, and the way he yes. interacts even with with uh, yeah. Tuki, um, he really inter- like he he gives you a creepy vibe, but at the same time, he's part of the hero side. Like he is actually right. helping out Hojo as the last survivor of his family and everything, and trying to raise him so that he could hopefully defeat um, um, Ashikage from the future vision that he saw. And so it's like a really interesting scene. Those two char- the, the two main adult characters. Yep. The, the way that they're designed again going back to the artwork um, being so important over this of like getting getting that vibe across um, throughout this mm-hmm. these seven chapters next yeah, i immediately liked ashikage when he's first introduced and i immediately dislike sua yoroshige when he's introduced because to your point he's super creepy and yeah. he remains creepy even after we know ashikage is a bad guy and uh, sua is a good guy even after that point he still remains creepy yeah just yeah. creepy yeah. and you know like to the point where i was like for there were i'll admit it there were a couple of moments in the first couple of chapters kevin where i didn't know if i was going to tap out of the series because there is definitely that groomer man boy yeah vibe and i'm not down with that in stories so i i was about to tap out kevin to be honest with you but it kind of they, they Matsui dialed that back after the after the first couple of chapters. Yeah, and I, I also think that it helps that he introduces the characters of Kojiro, Ayako, and uh, Shizuku yeah. for for Hojo to interact with because I yep. think 
if it was just Hojo being trained by Sue, I think that would have been a b- bad thing. Uh, but then you have to do these three yeah. other kids. I think having those three other kids as yeah. the interaction point for Hojo, I think yeah. is a good thing, especially because they're around yeah. his age. Where uh, yes. Ayako being the only one that's a little bit older than him um, seems to be like a te- like almost teenage age or twenty. Well, she's the same age. She's just really big. Oh, oh really big. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she really comes big. across. She just comes yeah. across as a bit older. Um, yeah. But. I think that's the important thing of like introducing those three characters and having that su- supporting cast. So it's not just Sua. And again, just going mm-hmm. back to how important supporting, ca- a strong supporting cast is. And then each of these three characters have such different personalities to bounce off Hojo yep. as well. I think that's super important. Cause so, like you said, if it was just Sua training Hojo, that would have probably like turned me oh. off to the series. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matsu was, I knew that, especially from his experience from assassination classroom. I think he's using that here. Uh, like yeah. you do need the other kids at the same age level that's right like in in a similar spot where even though they're more trained than than he is and things like that more skilled he is going to help out and um and it's also interesting to see how like the designs just of of this entire world because you feel like as the series opens up with the demons as well that Mm -hmm. you're experiencing it through hojo's eyes where like at the beginning everything feels normal everything feels like how your hojo sees it but as even Hojo's getting more into the world. You're mm-hmm. like, he's peeling back those layers of like, no, there's a lot of things going on. And it's like, it's like a little kid's eyes being opened up to more, more like, kind of like, almost like I would say like Harry Potter type ask of like, yeah. he's realizing well, what the world is more, more than what the perception that his dad and like his clan were giving him before at the I, beginning. Hojo was in an extremely cloistered, protected insular world. And so, and so it was very limited, his vision of the world, very, you know, very carefully protected. So seeing him out in the world, finally, no longer being insular and really experiencing everything. It's all like, wow, it's one wonder after one wondrous discovery after the next. Right. And and Matsuda does a great job with the artwork showing Hojo. Wow, experiencing so many new things in the world as it just kind of unfolds before him and the reader too, because we're we're kind of we're we're, in, we're going along with Hojo because we don't really we yeah. don't know anything either. So as he experiences it, we're experiencing it, and it's it's highly effective. Yeah, and it's I think good, especially it's a good way to build the world. I thought I, I thought it was a great way to do world building and yeah. to get the reader immersed in in the setting. I thought it was really effective. Yeah, and I think it also, especially when you have this character that is a carefree character that yeah. this character is kind of vanilla, I would say, um, and it's not really like super de- deep and things like that. Oh, but yeah. I think that it's important. I, I think when you have a character like that, where maybe the main character isn't as interesting as other like supporting characters, but I do think that Kojiro, Ayako, and, she, and Shizugu, in terms of personality and, and character types, they have much more to them compared yeah. to Hojo. But I think what, mm-hmm. what Hojo has is that main character benefit of like, we're experiencing the world through him and we're going through a journey with him. And I think that's, right. what, that's where Matsu really excels in this series is that so far of the first volume is that you do feel like you're on a journey with the character. So even if the character oh, yeah. is like a little vanilla, cause I would say that that happens with like characters like Harry Potter. Like I would, yeah. I would consider like Harry Potter is not very a deep character, but what no. you're, you're on, you feel like you're on an adventure with him. And I think when you feel yes. that you're on an adventure with him, that's what really makes the story interesting. What makes the character That's interesting right. is that you're along for a ride with uh, with them, and even your your eyes are being opened alongside the yep. character instead of you yep. being like you're you you feel like you know a you know more so than the char- the main character. It never feels mm-hmm. that way, and I think that Matsu does a good job 
giving you some details that maybe Hojo doesn't know, but not mm-hmm. enough that where you feel like you're ahead of the character or you're not discovering things alongside the character. And I think Absolutely. that's a very important thing, especially, like I said, Hojo's character is very vanilla. He's not very, mm-hmm. like, a deep character outside of, like, again, obviously, the, the tragedy that happens to him, but I think in terms of personality, right, it's, it's not super deep. Um, <laughs> but I think because you do feel like you are on a journey with him, I think that's uh, that's the thing that makes him an interesting character is that you do feel he's, like you're on a journey with him. He he is definitely he's definitely a white meat baby face, right? He's 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 a little bland, little yeah. little vanilla, but but he is very likable. So the reader immediately likes the character, immediately connects with the character, and then can experience the journey right alongside of Hojo. And to your point, that's what makes the story, this first volume, so effective is Matsui nails it. We're basically, we may know a little bit more than Hojo, but not much more, Kevin, not much more. And we get to experience the thing, everything with him. And this absolutely feels like the reader is going on a journey you feel like i mean this really does feel like a well done hero's journey yeah and you're going along for the ride and that's what makes the first volume so much fun yeah and i think the best example of that is when hojo fights his uncle like like you're Mm -hmm. you're discovering alongside with him because like again his uncle is starting to get drawn a little bit differently and mm-hmm. like more demonically and stuff like that. And your eyes are being open to, oh, this isn't a world that's normal. Right. And, and, and that, that, that really does set the tone for the rest of this volume of like, yes, we do learn a couple of things more so than that Ho- Hojo does, but we're not learning much more. And we're experiencing it through him because we had that battle with the uncle that we yep. experienced with, alongside Hojo. And you do feel like, again, you're along for the ride instead of like you being a, like driving ahead. So, and I think that that, that, that first fight with the uncle I think sets that tone where you're going to be along oh, for, yeah, yeah. for a big journey that, yes. that is going to take place over the, the three time span. Because like I said before, when we were talking about the Kenwood restoration period, it is a period that lasted three years. So it, we are kicking off right at the beginning of this from 1333. Um, and then from what Sua tells them, uh, like his future that you're, um, in three years from now, you are the hero. So it does seem like it's set up as the Lucid Samurai, while it's going to be based in that Kenwood period, Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're going to see some divergence, which is good because again, you don't want you want this world to be its own thing, and it's already right. its own thing with the demons. Um, yeah. And I think, like in there's every, every single chapter feels like it's setting a tone for this is going to be its own world, even if it's set in a real world setting. Yeah, I completely agree. And and, and you're right to point out the battle with the uncle. That when I talk about how Matsui slowly transitions us from real world into more of a otherworldly setting, that's. That's the pivot moment. It's the it's the fight with the uncle is the pivot moment. That's where we first see Matsui transitioning the story into something we didn't expect. I'm reading that scene and I was like, oh, oh, hold on. This just isn't a fight scene. We're totally adding a completely new element to this manga that's going to dictate what we get going forward. This is the pivot. Okay, I see this is the unique element he's adding to his story. It's not just a historical Maga, this is where he's adding a unique element. That was really well done. Uh, that's what made me, honestly, that fight with the uncle is what made me go sit up and take notice and go, uh-oh. Oh, so we're getting something interesting on this. We're getting something unexpected on this series. I'm intrigued. I'm coming back for more. Yeah, and also, like, going back to the first chapter, too, um, that moment where, like, Sua pushes Hojo off and into, mm-hmm. like, a, a battleground and then, like, yep. s- like 
Hojo's vision of that, like the people that are below him that are about to stab him to death, mm-hmm. like the, the faces are demonic. Yeah. But that's just you are led to believe that Hojo, because of he's in despair and all this stuff, right. that he, it's just through his vision that he sees everybody as a demon because of like what just happened to his family. Like his family got right. wiped out, his clan got wiped out, and everything. And then he just jumps off them, and the people turn back to normal. Mm-hmm. You do that. You go back and read that now, like knowing that this is a, a supernatural world that maybe he will like he has some sort of vision of how people really are and that these are yes. demonic people. So I think that that's a cool way of yes. also adding into that. Like you said, of like when, when we meet the uncle is really when we dive into yeah. that. So now yeah. when you go back and read the first chapter, you have a different perspective of even that scene as well. Oh, yeah. It adds a whole new layer to the story, which is which is really cool when you talk about readability. Yeah. And also kind of gets into like with Hojo as well, like it does he have like a supernatural skill because they don't really talk about it right. in the first seven chapters because but he has okay. this like like the title says he's an elusive samurai he does have a supernatural skill of like evading everybody he never gets really hurt yeah. he mm-hmm. is able to dodge Super fast everything. like yeah so he's not even though he's not skilled with the sword yet um yep. uh, um so he's not a samurai technically but but he's just a super athletic elusive guy that could get 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 out of everything what do you think of this like almost do you think that's going to be a superpower that he has that he, even Hojo's family is a demon or like, what do you like after just reading the first volume, what do you think is really like going on with, with, with this world? I could, I could see that happening only because Matsui in, I believe it's the chapter six, I think when they fight that big giant boar ox creature which by the way is another supernatural thing yeah. it, it's 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 a creature that doesn't exist it it is a, it is a fantasy character i mean the characters even mentioned how it's not like anything else right but when they battle that you have shizuki ayako and kojiro watching hojo dodge evade and run away from this mythical creature and they comment how his speed is is godly hmm. He's got godly speed. I mean, now, maybe that's just Matsui with some artistic flair. Yeah. But we already know that Sua was initially presented to us as a god, and we didn't believe it, right? Until it became obvious he was a god. Well, maybe Matsui is doing the same thing here, saying it's godly speed, and we're kind of like, okay, you're just embellishing it. But, uh uh-oh, turns out he really does have godly speed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting after, again, we don't have, we're not, it feels like we just got a taste of what's going on. And I think right. that's for our first volume is because again, the first volume is to like the first seven chapters. I think this is a good first seven chapters because um, I'm glad that he didn't go all in on like revealing everything in terms of like what's so special about Hojo, what's so special about this world. He mm-hmm. slow drips us throughout the seven chapters. So that way when things even blow up, I feel like maybe hopefully in the um, next volumes, like you're going to be prepared for that mentally instead of being like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really the most successful thing that the Elusive Samurai Volume 1 does is that it it's, um, prepares you mentally to not be super surprised and be right. ready for that stuff and that feel that I think the most important thing is that everything's natural to this setting, to this world that Matsu creates with the Elusive Samurai. And I, I think that's the most successful thing that he does, that everything feels nat- naturally progressing to, um, from, from one thing to the next. I agree. No, look, and, and we end the volume two with the introduction of the new villain, uh, Satamune, and he, and Matsui clearly gives him 
superhuman abilities with his vision yeah. and archery skills. Like this is that. I mean, his. I mean, to the point where the eyeballs kind of come out of his skull because they're yeah. so amazing and being able to see everything and analyze everything and nothing can escape him. He's like, it, it's, it's again, it's supernatural. Yeah. So it, it even looks supernatural. So it's, it's, you know, it, and, 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 end it with that. And it's a fun thing because we've seen that in man, other manga too, where even like these weird characters will have that type of thing. But now mm-hmm. because of the first six chapters that we got this, now we got this new character. We don't see this as just a comedic moment. This is actually right. a moment that's feeding into the, the supernatural setting of this and that he is probably like a demon as well. And right. so it's like playing even with some like manga tropes of like how sometimes yes. characters, because we've seen that when like when a comedy scene happens, oh, yeah. that, like the eyes pop out and stuff like that of certain characters. But this is more treated as because of now what we already know from the first six chapters, it, it's not a comedic. It's actually going into the whole supernatural realm right. of things. This is not a comedic effect at all. This is actually what this character is designed to. He's designed that way. That is how he looks, period. That's his normal look because of the supernatural vibe to the to their abilities and these characters in this world. So I think ending it with that kind of villain also is telling the reader, hey, expect more, ex- expect more supernatural stuff coming your way. Uh, yeah, and I think overall, I think both of us are high on it uh, on the on the first volume yeah. of Blue samurai is so i'm guessing that this is something that you will continue reading after the, oh. this first volume absolutely i, I i'm in I, i'm in i got i like the story i like the the world that we're in it's very compelling it's very interesting i like the cast characters they work well together we get nice action scenes and the art is kevin we didn't talk we talked about it a little bit but i really want to spend some time talking about it now the art is gorgeous at least to me it is i find this art to be absolutely beautiful you can tell kevin unlike some of the other new manga that we have been uh reviewing when they first come out and first debut on the shonen jump app unlike those where it may be a a a manga artist who's on his first series possibly you can tell that matsui has been around the block has had several successful manga series already because you know the what was it um Clat the his other two manga series went what 20 some volumes both of them did yeah so he's he's had you know decent length runs you can tell he is polished because that first chapter is i mean right out of the gate kevin it is gorgeous artwork it's beautiful the character the character's expressions are really well done but beyond that the character designs are gorgeous the action scenes amazing the setting beautiful i mean just everything it's beautiful art right from the start and i think the best example of that is no no scene even when there's so many characters on screen he never gets lost in in in, in having to draw a lot of characters or how crazy scenes get I think sometimes that's where, especially uh, with bigger sh- shonen um, yeah. mangas get um, bogged down is like when they have to draw super busy scenes and they can't draw like the backgrounds correct, like like the backgrounds in full, full detail or like characters in full detail because there's going to be some characters that don't look that way. That's not how mm-hmm. this this series looks. It's like Matsu is very comfortable drawing characters and drawing uh, a, a, a large amount of characters and he knows that how much detail he needs to put into it. And I think that just going into that stuff of like, yeah, this feels like, like finalized artwork of of a, a um, manga artist that is so used to drawing manga f- right out of the gate instead of like a newer mangaka that this is their first series that they're still refining their art style and that 
they are going to refine it over the over the period. It does feel like this is already chiseled and fully defined artwork. Yep, absolutely. It the art it the art is awesome, and I love it because a lot of times we get new manga, and you and I are kind of like, okay, the art's a little, it's a little rough at first, but it it builds up steam yeah. as the chapters progress. Man, you hop on a list of samurai, you're gonna get grade A quality art right out the gate. Yeah. You will not be disappointed. It is just yeah. it is beautiful look at it's not saving it for the big action sequences or like nope. the big double page spreads it's like for, nope. for every panel feels like it really well yep. done and um well well detailed and everything so this is definitely like out of all the manga that we've read um so far i think this is the most finished artwork i would say that of like yes. new manga right out of the gate um mm-hmm. in the first volume i think this is definitely right up there with with any manga that we've read that we've read so far in terms of experiencing the first volume of it yep absolutely agree so Okay, awesome. Well, uh, again, um, I didn't mention this before, but I know that the first volume just came out on, on July 5th for the series. So it's a fresh series that in terms of physical release that just came out. The second and third volumes are expected in September and November of this year here in the United States. But if you want to do read ahead um, and not wait for the physical release, you can read the first 70 chapters of the series on the Viz Media app as well. So again, right. there, there's ways to read it. Um, it's a new series um, that got physically released here. So that's kind of why and I wanted to cover it because um, I know it's going to be discovered by more people that are into uh, physical release compared to like digital release. Um, so yeah, so again, I, I would say, Rock, we would both say that you should, um, anybody that's a manga fan would ch- check this uh, series out, correct? Absolutely. I would check it out in a heartbeat. Definitely recommend it. it well, I'm interested to see where we go from here. Kevin, I saw an interview, I meant to mention this earlier, but I saw an interview with Matsui because I kind of wanted to get a vibe of yeah. what kind of series we're going to get here with Elusive Samurai. He mentioned his three favorite manga. And it's funny because the three that he mentions, I don't really see it coming. A lot of times in a manga will mention their favorite works and it'll come through in their series, right? Yeah. Or you'll be able to see where it's kind of related. His three favorite series are Bo 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 probably because he was an assistant on it. Yeah. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. And Kanikuman. And I just don't see those three on this elusive samurai. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is weird. Normally, a mangaka, their, their favorite yeah. manga influence what they deliver. And it's just, it, it doesn't, it's neither here nor there when I'm recommending the series, but I just find it very fascinating that, that Matsui is creating a manga that is really very different from the three that are his favorite. It's, it's yeah. interesting. So he, he, you, you and him will probably be good friends and talk, talk a lot of, uh, <laughs> for... <laughs> Look, look things, his right? three favorite manga also happened to be my three favorite too. Yeah. Okay, so I like this guy already. Never met him, but I'll be with this guy any day of the week. Yeah, right? So he's definitely a rock rock type guy of like taste and stuff. So, so I'm sure, uh, but, I'm sure it made you smile. Like when you saw yes. saw that though. Yeah, oh, it did it did. But going back to the Loose of Samurai, I would definitely recommend it. It's great. Um, it's if you if you like interesting characters it's got good characters they all have neat designs they have nice personalities i think they got he's generating just in the first volume some pretty decent chemistry between all of them and i think it's a really cool setting in a world as well so anybody who likes adventure manga would i i would think you would really enjoy elusive samurai awesome yeah that i totally agree i think this is a good series to get into especially if you're into shonen series and are looking for a little bit something a little bit different from the normal shonen like superhero action this is this is actually a little bit different from what we get in my hero or, or Jujutsu Kaisen, things like that, but falling into similar tropes as well that you'll find in those. And you would agree there's comedy, but the comedy is no. is not forefront. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not for fun. It's more just adding to the world. I feel like, and so that that's that's a uh, good um, pointing that out of of that is that this is not the same type of comedy you would expect from manga. It's a very no. different type type of thing, and it's still comedic, but it's on a different tone. So I think that um, that yeah. that's a good thing to point out as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Rock, thank you very much for joining me on this episode for the Manga Revolution podcast again. If you guys want to catch up on any um, older podcasts, you could check this out on any podcast service uh, we've been doing a lot of reviews for newer manga so you could check those out uh, on any podcast feed and again un until next time i hope everyone has a good rest of your day